today we're starting a four-part series called Crossing Over. And uh, the series is based on a scene that happens in the book of Joshua. And I want to kind of set this up. There's a verse of scripture that we're going to focus on today. It's in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. And the scripture says, Then Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will work wonders among you. Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will work wonders among you. And this is the word of the Lord to each and every one of us here today. Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will work wonders among us. Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, I pray that you give us open ears, open hearts, open minds to hear, to receive, to believe, to understand the word that you would speak to us today. I ask it in Jesus' precious, holy, mighty name. Amen. Amen. I want us to understand the significance of this moment for Israel. Yeah. Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. That word tomorrow is extremely important because it represents the transitioning from a 500-year season to a completely new day for Israel. It had been 500 years since God spoke to Abraham and said, get out of your father's house and go to the place I'll show you. 500 years since Abraham obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. It had been 300 years since Joseph had been sold to Egypt as a slave. 300 years. It had been 80 years since Moses stood at the burning bush and heard God speak out of the bush saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I've heard the groaning of my people in Egypt. It had been 40 years since God parted the Red Sea for the people of God to come across on dry ground. And now, after 500 years of prophecy, 500 years of promise, 500 years of hoping and believing, 500 years of one day, one day, one day God will fill in the blank. One day, 500 years of one day is now giving way to tomorrow. No more one day. That's the gospel according to Joshua. It's no more one day. It's tomorrow. Sanctify yourselves. Get yourselves ready. Prepare yourselves because tomorrow, tomorrow's the day. It's happening tomorrow. 500 years of wandering, of homelessness, of being a people without a homeland. And when you look at this, people say, where are they from? They're the people from nowhere. They were slaves in Egypt. They were wanderers in the wilderness. They don't have a home. They don't have a country. They don't have a place. They're the people from nowhere, but that ends tomorrow. Sanctify yourselves. Get yourselves ready because tomorrow is different. Tomorrow marks the end of everything that was before and the beginning of everything that will be. Tomorrow, you are crossing over. You are transitioning from promise to fulfillment. You're transitioning from the land of promise to the land of fulfillment. It's called the promised land because in that land, the promise is fulfilled. It ceases to be simply a promise, and it becomes a reality. Crossing over. 
from always hoping yeah. to now entering into the to fulfillment of that for which you've hoped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crossing over. And Joshua cries out, sanctify yourselves. Why does he tell them to sanctify themselves? Because he was there 40 years ago when they had their first chance to cross over. He was there 40 years ago when God said, go take it. And everybody said, we can't do it. We're too small. We're like grasshoppers. We're too weak. We can't face them. What are we going to do? We can't do it. We're not able. They're bigger than us. We can't. We can't. We can't. And Joshua and Caleb were the ones that said, wait, 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 wait. You guys, wait. Hold on. Wait. If God told us to do it, we can do it. If God said to do it, who cares how big they are? Who cares how great they are? How great is our God? Stop looking in the mirror and sizing yourself up and saying, I'm too small. And notice that when the unbelief in the wilderness happened for the people of Israel, none of them said anything about God. But yet God was personally offended. None of them said, our God is too small. He's not able. He's not worthy. He won't keep his promise. None of them said anything about God. They said something about themselves, and God took it personally. They said, we're not able, and God took it personally. They said, we're too small, and God took it personally. They said, we're not strong enough, and God took it personally. Why? Because the promise should have trumped their small sense of selves. Of course you're not able, but you've got the promise. Of course you're not able, but you've got the presence. Of course you're not able. You've got the fire by night and the cloud by day. Of course you're not able, but God. So when Joshua said, sanctify yourselves, what he actually meant was, separate yourself from what kept you out last time. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Before tomorrow comes... We got one more shot to get this right. Not like last time. We ain't, I'm not about, listen, if y'all mess it up this time, I ain't walking with you through this wilderness for another 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine Joshua? His, his, he was kept out of the promised land for 40 years because of them? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Lord, I got to stay out here because of them? Nah, y'all need to sanctify yourselves because tomorrow we going in. I don't care what none of y'all say. We going in tomorrow. Sanctify yourselves from the small-mindedness and the unbelief that kept you out last time. We only got one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. One shot. Sanctify yourself. That word sanctify, kodesh. It means to separate or to make holy. Mm. Separate yourselves. Make yourselves holy. Yeah. It means to set apart. Set yourself apart. What needs to be removed? What needs to be separated? What needs to be taken out of your mind? What kept you out last time? Separate yourself from that junk. Get that junk out. you got 24 hours to get that junk, that unbelief, that small-mindedness, that, that, that bitterness, that complaining, whatever, with that grumbling against the Lord. you got 24 hours to get all that junk out because tomorrow God is getting ready to call you to do some outlandish junk, and you're going to look at it again and say, we can't do it. You better be ready to say, yes, Lord. Because tomorrow, God is going to work wonders, but those wonders are going to require your participation. 
They're going to require a step of faith, a radical step of faith on your behalf. And y'all ain't ready yet. Mm -mm. Y'all ain't ready. Sanctify yourselves. Get yourselves ready. Separate yourselves. Set yourselves apart. Scour your hearts for unbelief and fear. Scour your hearts for that wicked heart of unbelief that turns from the living God. Scour your hearts from that lie of the enemy that says, I don't think it's ever going to happen. From that lie of the enemy that's constantly speaking to you and saying, you can't do it. You can't have that. You can't do that. Who do you think you are? Be humble. Be humble. When the enemy says be humble, he means accept defeat. You better come into the place of faith where you begin to believe that no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. You better come into a place of faith believing. You better open your heart and open your ears and open your minds and you better be ready to move with God because tomorrow God is moving with or without you. God is moving. Sanctify yourselves. The author of Hebrews says it like this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. First, he gives us the whole chapter of faith. It's called the hall of faith there in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, and, and we know that, uh, what, is it, what does it say? Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And uh, he goes on to say, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And then he goes through the whole hall of faith. By faith, Enoch uh, was translated so that he did not taste death. But before he was translated, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And it talks about, by faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to endure the, the passing pleasures of sin. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, because he looked to him who was invisible. And by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go to the place that he would later receive as an inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. Right. By faith, Sarah was given strength to conceive, even though her body was as good as dead. Right. I mean, this hall of faith over and over and over again, there was an impossibility. But then there was faith and the impossible became possible. There was an impossibility and then there was faith and then the impossible became possible. And then when he gets done with this whole hall of faith, he gets to chapter 12 and says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who are the witnesses? Everybody he talked about in the previous chapter. Abraham and Moses and Enoch and all of these people that he talked about. And those are the witnesses. Since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, you and me, lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The point is, you read their story of faith to be inspired to run your race of faith. Lay aside every weight. Every weight. What's a weight? A weight and a sin are different. Some stuff is a sin. Other stuff is a weight. The weights are stuff that are not sin, but they still hold you back. It's not sin, but it still restricts you. God's trying to lift you higher, but you're grabbing weights. No, there's, there's something on there. And you're holding on to this weight and God's trying to lift you up and you can't go anywhere because you're, you're being weighted down by something. You're clinging to this world. You're grabbing weights with your feet and you got weights with this, got another weight over here and God can't exalt you because you're too weighted down by stuff that you know you need to get out of your life. So the author of Hebrews says, lay aside not just the sin, but the weights. And then he says, let us run with endurance, 
The race that is set before us. What is he talking about? What is the race that is set before us? Impossibility, faith, possibility. That's the race of faith. Where you run at an impossibility, you rise up in faith in the face of that impossibility, and the impossible becomes possible. That's the race. What he's literally saying is, get ready to do the impossible. Get ready to do the ridiculous. Get ready to be dumbfounded by the power of God. Get ready to walk in a sense of his divine favor. His divine power that gives us everything necessary for life and and godliness. Let there be a swell of divine confidence on the inside of you where you wake up in the morning saying, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Going to work looking for an impossible task. Give me the hardest task. I've got something they ain't got. I got the power of Christ. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do it. I can do it. I do not. I, listen, I eat the impossible for breakfast. That's the season. That's the season of fulfillment. But in order to get into that season, first, you got to cross the Jordan. At the end of the wilderness was the Jordan. Now they've come to the Jordan. They're looking at the Jordan. They're facing the Jordan. On this side of the Jordan is the land of promise. On the other side of the Jordan is the land of fulfillment. On this side of the Jordan, they're living in prophecy. On the other side of the Jordan, they're living in the fulfillment of prophecy. Now, don't get me wrong. Once they cross the Jordan, there's still a lot of battles to fight. They don't cross the Jordan and be like, it's here, everything's fulfilled. No, now you get to fight for the fulfillment. But you can't even fight those battles till you cross over. You can't even fight the good fight of faith to lay hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession until you cross over. And if you refuse to cross over, you live forever in the land of one day. The rest of your life, you're saying one day, one day, and God is like, well, I guess when you get to heaven... I was trying to give it to you on earth. But you held on to that grasshopper mind. Here's the problem with the Jordan. The Jordan was in full flood that time of year. I mean, this was not like the dry. This was not during a drought where the Jordan became like a creek, a little trickle. No, the Jordan was in full flood. You didn't just cross the Jordan. You got swept away if you tried to cross the Jordan. I mean, if you were a really strong man, you know, you could like throw a, row, a, you know, a branch or something across or something that you could pull yourself across. But if you were a six-year-old child, you couldn't cross. Yeah. If you were a pregnant woman, you couldn't cross. Yeah. My Sonny could, though, if she was yeah. pregnant. <laughs> Sonny was a beast when she was pregnant. <laughs> she was like nine and a half months pregnant out running. Just... Climbing ropes and stuff. <laughs> but how do you get 1.5 million people yeah, yeah. across a river in full flood? Yeah. There's always a river in full flood between you and your destiny. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
Has God made any promises to you? If there's not a, a raging river between you and the fulfillment of that promise, it ain't from God. If you could wake up tomorrow morning and do it with no opposition, God didn't promise it. There's always a raging river between you and the fulfillment of God's promise over your life. Whatever your destiny is, there's always a raging river. And let me tell you how the enemy uses that raging river. You come to that raging river and you go, well, I thought God promised. (laughs) You know what? I'm just going to live over here. It's nice and comfortable over here. Ain't no Canaanites, no Hittites, no Hivites, no Jebusites, no Girgashites. Just nice and comfortable, but not for long. Because when you know that you're called to something, when you know that you're destined for something, when you know that God has called you to something, when you have that deep on the inside of your heart, but you try to accept a life without that, Because you're looking at the river and going, it's too painful to try to cross that river. And then you look across the river and you see those ites. It'd be too painful to try to fight all them ites. Ain't nobody got time for that. You know what's more painful than pressing through your river and fighting your ites? What's more emotionally painful than that is not pressing through your river and not fighting your ites. At a certain point, depression kicks in. Self-disappointment kicks in. At a certain point, there's no amount of entertainment that will scratch that itch. At a certain point, there's not, even en- there's not enough money in the world that will satisfy that craving, that will scratch that itch. When God has put an itch on the inside of you, a kingdom itch, there is nothing that will scratch it except fighting through your river and fighting your ites until you establish your place of victory. If God has called you to be a writer, every time you sit at your computer, a raging river is going to be between you and the words that you need to write. And at some point you go, you know what? Maybe I don't have to be a writer. Every time I try to write, everything I write is garbage. Nothing comes out of it anyway. And who wants to read what I got to write? How many books are there in the world? Nobody needs another book. And you try to calm yourself and you decide to try to get comfortable not being a writer. And all of a sudden, the angst starts to build up on the inside of you. And then you need more Netflix and you need more YouTube and you need more Hulu and you need more uh, Disney Plus, whatever you can get to try to fill that void on the inside of you. And you can't pacify yourself at a certain point. All of the sudden the pain of not doing what you're called to do is worse than the pain of doing what you're called to do. Of course there's a raging river. Did you think the devil was just going to let you walk right into your promised land? No opposition? You think he was going to escort you across? You think the river was just going to calm down? And here's what you tend to think. Well, I'm going to wait till the time of year when the river's not in full flood. I'm going to wait for the river to cool down. And you just sit out there month after month. One of these days, the river's going to calm. Maybe I'll wait for a drought. Years go by. And the river is still in full flood. And even when it calms down a little, I'm going to wait for it to calm down a little more. Stop. (laughs) What are you waiting for? Procrastination is self. It's it's a form of emotional suicide. You're killing yourself slowly on the inside because you won't face your river.
The people of Israel came to the Jordan. What are we doing here? What are we going to do now? Joshua says, I'll tell you what we're about to do. What, what you're not going to do is do what you did 40 years ago. That's what you're not going to do. <laughs> but what you're going to do is sanctify yourself and just watch. Tomorrow, God's going to work miracles for you. Well, what miracle is he going to do? This river, look at this raging river. Just watch. Just watch. And when Joshua said that, God hadn't actually told him what he was going to do yet. He just told him, this day I'm going to begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel. That's all he needed to know. God's going to do it. It's going to be a wonder. It's going to be a miracle. I don't have to know what the miracle is. All I got to know is God's going to do it. But they did have a referent. They did have a memory of something to look back to because 40 years prior, they stood at the Red Sea. And they needed a miracle to get out of Egypt. The Red Sea was behind them and Pharaoh's army was before them, or the Red Sea was before them and Pharaoh's army was behind them, depending on which way they turned. They needed a miracle to get out of Egypt. And God told Moses to stretch out his rod over the water and the breath of God blew on the waters all night until there were two walls of water so that the people of Israel crossed through on dry ground. They had a memory. They had a reference. Now the crossing of the Red Sea was God bringing them out. The crossing of the Jordan was God bringing them in. You see, it's one thing for God to bring you out of something, but it's quite another for him to bring you into something. And this is the simple message. The power that brought you out is the power that brings you in. This is what Paul said, that we're confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, that is he who brought you out, will be faithful to complete it. That is, he's going to bring you in. He did not bring you out to let you die in the desert. He brought you out so he can bring you in. He didn't save you so that he could abandon you. He saved you so that he could empower you. He's got something for you. He's got an inheritance for you. He's got favor stored up for you. And he brought you out so he could bring you in. All you need to remember when you face your Jordan, when you face the impossibility, is that if he brought me out, he can bring me in. And then stop and remember the stuff he brought you out of. Stop and remember the stuff he broke off your life. Stop and remember the stuff he washed you of and he cleansed you of. Stop and remember the stuff that he pulled you out of. Stop and remember the fire that he yanked you out of and, 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 and clapped your legs to put that fire out. Stop and remember the stuff that he healed you of and the stuff that he delivered you of. That God who brought you out, oh, well, that's how he's going to bring me in. He parted water to bring you out, and he's going to part water to bring you in. Joshua looks at the Jordan and says, this is small. He parted a whole sea to get us out. Yeah. And this is the key that we, most of us don't realize. The miracle of getting you out is much bigger than the miracle of getting you in. Wow. Wow. To bring you out, he had to part a whole sea. Wow. See, when we, when we think, listen to this. What's the, what's the bigger miracle? Forgiveness of sins or the healing of sickness? We think the healing of sickness is the bigger miracle. It's not. He didn't have to give his life to heal your sickness. Forgiveness of your sins, he had to take the punishment for that. 
literally to forgive you of... See, when somebody gets saved and, re and receives Christ, we go, oh, cool, that's nice. But if a blind eyes get opened, we're like, oh my God, a blind person saw. You remember when they lowered the paralytic down and Jesus looks at him and says, rejoice, son, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, Psh, yeah, right. And he goes, oh, you don't believe me? All right, fine, stand up and walk. First, he gives them the bigger miracle. But they don't believe the bigger miracle, so he gives them a smaller miracle. And then they go, wow. We go, wow, when Jesus gives us a parking space. You ever done that, driving around the mall? Oh, Lord, please give me a place to park. And then one opens up. Wow. But he forgives your sins and washes away your debt, and you go, oh, that was cool. You crossed the Red Sea already. That's your confidence when you stand at the Jordan. If he could forgive my sin, do you know how sinful you were? <laughs> I mean, I mean, have you stopped? I mean, sometimes I just stop and rip. And it's, you know, for those of us who grew up in church, we, we tend to think, well, I was sanctified. All no, you weren't. We, we each have to come, to come to grips with the depth of sin. Have you ever mourned for your sins? Like, have you ever stopped to mourn? It's important that you do. And the reason it's important that you do is because that's how you come to grips with the enormity of the miracle that he worked for you. And when you become aware of the enormity of that miracle, he forgave me for all of that. He washed me clean of all that. He delivered. Well, there's nothing he can't do. There's nothing he can't do. There's absolutely nothing he can't do. This Jordan is nothing. He parted the sea. Amen. 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 Well, listen. Listen. Sanctify yourselves. Because tomorrow, God is going to work miracles before you. And let me tell you the miracle that God's getting ready to work in your eyes. I got an announcement to make this morning. Next Sunday, it's our last Sunday here. That's cool. Y'all don't know. Y'all don't know. Y'all don't know what we've been through the last 18 years. 18 years. We're getting ready to cross over. We're getting ready to cross over. Now listen, in two weeks, your body's going to cross over. The question is, will your mind and heart cross over? Because your body is going to be over there. I know that. Because it ain't going to be here. If you do come here, ain't going to be nobody here. No signs, nothing. <laughs> Maybe we'll put a sign outside. We ain't here. We in El Cerrito. <laughs> you should have been at church. You should have listened. <laughs> or at least visited the, re the website. You in sin. You better get over there quick and repent. But the question is, is your mind and heart crossing over? Let me tell you what I mean by that. For 18 years, wow. I've seen this happen again and again and again, yeah. and I personally have experienced multiple cycles of it. And this is for UNSF, too. I'm this, I, the thing I need you to understand is that the new building in El Cerrito, 
It's not just for the Emeryville campus. That is, that is our international headquarters. All of the ministry that we do around the world with every campus that will come from us is going to be centered from that place in El Cerrito. And God giving us a headquarters and a home on this side of the bay, this is a sign of breakthrough for the entire house. It's for you too. The enemy wants to divide us by causing you to think that it's just for us and not for you. We are one. There is no us and you. There's only us, which includes you. Amen. But this is the cycle. When you come to this church, you can sense the wave. Over the last 18 years, I can't tell you how many times I've had people to come to me and tell me, man, you guys are about to be thousands of people. You feel this wave? Woo! The moment I walked in, I just felt this, uh, this wave, this God is about to do something. I mean, people are going to get saved and healed and delivered, and, and it's about to be, it's about to, y'all about to grow. You, what are you guys at right now? About 150 people? That's nothing. Watch what got about six months. Y'all going to be able to watch about 45 minutes from now? It's going to be in the thousands. And I remember the first time I experienced that, I believed it. I was like, oh, yeah, ooh, they just prophesied. Hallelujah. And then six months will go by and we're the same size. And what tends to happen is people come in, they feel the wave, they get excited. They're like, I want to serve here because I want to be a part of what God's getting ready to do. And then after a while, they're like, well, what's going on? How come we're the same size? And they get disillusioned. And one by one, they trickle out just like they trickled in. And then the next wave of people comes in and they go, wow, you feel that? (laughs) <laughs> and you know what? I felt it for 18 years. Wow. And I still feel it today. Amen. And I've never been able to understand wow. why we don't have thousands of people. It don't make a lick of sense to me. <laughs> Folks should be beaten down the door. Amen. When the service starts and I can throw a rock and hit nobody, I just don't even turn around anymore. Because wow. yeah. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But you know what? I don't have to get it. Yeah. All I have to do is keep believing. Amen. But we're getting ready to cross over. We're getting ready to cross over. And that wave that you have sensed, that wave is real. And that wave is coming. And that wave is coming quick. Now the only question is, are you ready to catch it? Which means, are you ready to serve it? And I'm going to end this message here. Because next Sunday, I'm going to talk about the strategy that Joshua, that God gave to Joshua and Joshua gave to the people of God for how they were going to cross over. And this is what Joshua said. He commanded the priests to arise. And then he said to the priests, go get the ark. And the priests went and got the ark and they came back. So what you want us to do? He said, you're going to enter the waters first. And then he said to the rest of the people, watch the priests. When the priests enter in, you follow. That's how you're going to cross. You're going to follow the priests. The priests are going to pick up the ark, and they're going to carry it into the river. And once the priests enter, you follow the priests. That's all you got to do is follow the priests. We're getting ready to cross over. But the only question question is, where are the priests? It's time for the priests to arise and pick up the ark.
And if the priest will arise and pick up the ark, I'm telling you, God is getting ready to work miracles among us. Come back next Sunday. That's where we're going. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Amen. Father, I thank you that this message is for the whole house. Yeah. That there's many, even on the SF side of the bay, and even those joining us online, yeah. on our own online campus, yeah. that God has put a dream, a vision on the inside of you. Yeah. But there's a raging river between you and the fulfillment of that. Yeah. Today is a day to embrace the mantle of faith, mm. to separate yourself from all of the doubt and unbelief that has separated you from the fulfillment of the promise of God. I'm going to say a prayer, and then I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Jeremy and SF. <clears throat> Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would banish the unbelief mm. and the fear Amen. from our hearts. Yeah. That today we would respond to your word mm. and sanctify ourselves. Because tomorrow, yeah. you're going to work wonders among us. Amen. Open our hearts. Amen. Open our ears. Mm. We respond to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Jeremy, you take it. Everyone else here, we're not done. We're not done. Just bow your head for a moment. I know the Lord is speaking to you today. Yeah. He's putting it on your heart, and he's telling you very clearly what it is that he's calling you to sanctify yourself from. See, what we tend to do, a lot of, a lot of times, we tend to, sancti we tend to, when we're on a fast, we tend to fast the thing that God actually wants us to give up. We, we temporarily fast the thing that God's trying to take out of our hand permanently. And I think God is speaking to some of us today. Lay aside every weight and the sin, which, because listen, you turn to those weights and even those sins out of disillusionment. You somehow concluded that God wasn't going to do it, that you've believed in vain, that you've hoped in vain. But today, we are sanctifying ourselves from that unbelief. He's breaking us free of that disillusionment. Now we believe. That's how we enter into the, the land of fulfillment, is we believe. What kept them out was unbelief. What brings them in is faith. What keeps us out is unbelief. What brings us in is faith. Right now, I just want you to take a few moments before the Lord and lay it down. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Mm. Lay it down right now. Lay it down right now. I surrender Freedom is coming Freedom is here Freedom reigns in this place Freedom reigns in this place Yes, God. 
Everything that's past is past. He says, behold, I do a new thing. Now it will spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will send rivers in the wilderness and streams in the desert. New faith. New hope. New encouragement. New energy. New strength. To wake in joy every morning, walk in love every day, and sleep in peace every night. New strength. You're coming back to yourself. The self that God created you to be. That's who you are. You've lost your energy. You've lost You've lost your anticipation. You've lost that spark, but it's coming back right now. Wake up and lay claim to it. Wake up and lay claim to it. Rise up and lay claim. It's mine. This is, this is my joy. This is my strength. This is my encouragement. I know who I am. No more. No more. No more.